This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. I feel like it's going to be a good one today. Welcome to House of Champions YouTube friends. Drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe button as we review today's games at World Cup Qatar 2022 and take a look at some of tomorrow's action. Uh, just a reminder for everybody there, we have 50 promo codes for a 30-day P-plus premium free trial to give away throughout the tournament. Just so you all know, this is what you have to do. Like subscribe and drop in your Twitter handle in the chat and we will give away as many as we possibly can. So click those likes. We'll give as many as away as we possibly can throughout the course of the tournament. Uh, my guys are here today. I've got Nigel Rio Coker in the house. I've got Jonathan Johnson in the house. He's got a slight smile on his face. I've got Michael LaHood in the house and we just watched France get a fantastic victory against Australia. So there's no other place to start that my man, Jonathan Johnson. Take it away, JJ. What a great performance, mate. Hey there, guys. Yeah, great to be back on with you. Uh, yeah, very much. Well, not exactly what I expected. Uh, I think some people did expect France to, you know, uh, assert their dominance straight away. I wasn't surprised to see sort of the, the defensive uh, fallibilities, you know, from the very start. Uh, I was surprised that Australia managed to get themselves in front so quickly, but uh, you know France righted the ship, uh, got themselves back in front for the for the break, and then uh, you know obviously stepped it up a couple of notches in the second half. Uh, very very good start uh, for France in this World Cup overall. I feel uh, you know I think the potential for things to go very badly pear shaped uh, after that opening Australian goal was quite high. So for them to sort of ride this out and, and come out with a four one win, uh, you know, I think that's as, probably as good as Didier Deschamps could have hoped for with the, you know, the exception of that Luca Hernandez uh, injury early on hope it's not too bad, but uh, you know, if it is uh, a knee injury, that could be another player out uh, of the roster uh, for the remainder of the tournament. I thought Didier Deschamps got the wrong Hernandez brother in the lineup. Teo Hernandez is who he should have put in. And as you said, hopefully Luca Hernandez is okay and able to contribute something to the World Cup or just contribute something with the remainder of the season because that did not look like the best of falls when he went down. Teo Hernandez, this guy was made for this sort of game. When you have a team that sits deep like Australia and trying to hit on the counter, yes, he had a bit of a nervy moment with a bit of a giveaway when he came on, but the ball in for Rabio, my word, what a ball to pick up your head, to serve were you, from were you a central at Nigel position. When you said Rabio there, Michael, you were looking right <laughs> into Nigel's eyes, weren't you? <laughs> the twinkle in Nigel's <laughs> eyes. Yes, but two players who were not thought of to be players within the mix. Maybe Rabio, when this World Cup cycle started, given the wealth of talent that France has, for the likes of Adjur Rabio, for the likes of Teo Hernandez to put their stamp on this game, it shows Didier Deschamps and France that they have players that they can call on on the bench and within this group, deeper than they may have th thought going into this World Cup. NRC? 
Well, for me, I don't really have to add too much there. I think for me, when you look at that performance again, you show great, you, you see great character from the French. There was never any kind of um, denial in the talent that they do possess. I think for me, it's whether they could really work together. And I was very impressed. The camaraderie, the togetherness, and what people need to pay attention to is how happy the French players were for Giroud getting goals. And you could see the real togetherness. This is why Mbappe talks to the media at times saying he likes to play off a number one striker. You can see the bromance between himself and Giroud. There was a period late in the game where Mbappe really and truly could have taken on the fullback and probably got a shot on goal or scored a goal himself. But unselfishly, he tried to get Giroud his hat-trick. And you can see what it means to Giroud getting the goals and what it means together in this French team. There's a great togetherness, which I'm happy to see. And it goes to one more point I want to make, which I made the other day about when you do have Mbappe, that there is no defence in this World Cup that's safe. And we saw examples of what Mbappe is capable of in one-on-one situations. You leave Mbappe one-on-one with any defender in the world, you're asking for trouble, regardless how good they are. He is one player that has to be double team. Great French performance. Um, I think they were fantastic. And I think that if they stick together like they've shown, even with the injuries and whatever it is, I think next man up syndrome in France, I think they can really do something special. So we are reviewing France versus Australia. France winning by four goals to one. Uh, Rabiot on the score sheet. Olivier Giroud also on the score sheet a couple of times. Kylian Mbappé got his goal. A uh, couple of useless stats for you. Adrien Rabiot is the first France player to both score and an assist. A goal on his World Cup debut since Christophe Dugarry against Ooh. South Africa back in June 1998. Dubai. JJ already knew that one. Olivier Giroud is France's <laughs> oldest goal scorer in a World Cup at 36 years and 53 days, surpassing Zidane Zidane in 2006 who was 34 years old and 16 days and as we mentioned JJ I want you just to touch upon the fact that the goal scoring for Olivier Giroud now tie in Thierry Henry on 51 goals here this is a tremendous achievement for any individual player who's not necessarily in my opinion spoken about enough when it comes to his quality for what he produces with the French national team and I know I recognize that the lack of goals when they did win the competition but this time around he could be the real difference maker with no Benzema to France actually going all the way and, and freaking winning this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as well with Kylian Mbappe, even before the World Cup, he was talking up how happy he is in this kind of setup, uh, you know, where he gets to play alongside somebody of uh, Giroud's uh, profile, you know, somebody who can do the, the kind of physical work that, you know, isn't really part of Mbappe's game and it enables him to focus on what he's best at, you know, utilizing that searing pace uh, and that brilliant technique. Uh, you know, and when it works, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful th- uh, sight to behold. And, you know, we were treated to some of that against Australia here. Uh, you know, fingers crossed they can keep it going. I think it'll be a big, uh, you know, monkey off of uh, Giroud's back very early on in this tournament to have gotten those two goals because, you know, he's had to deal with that for a long, long time, sort of being the guy who played every game uh, in their World Cup success in 2018 and didn't find the back of the net so to have two goals already in this tournament that'll be a big boost for him and also you know something that is so so important as well about Giroud's game is yes he is perennially underrated he does still get a lot of goals but he's just so selfless uh you know and the, I, I think that his ability to you know to, to look to play in others uh, you know, will definitely come to come to the fore for for France. And it, this is a really really good start, not just for for Giroud, uh, Mbappe, but you know, for for the French in terms of a hole in the group. Because you look suddenly at the results from today, Denmark drawing with uh, with Tunisia. Uh, you know, it's it's opening up nicely for for France, and I don't think that they'll feel too concerned looking ahead to potentially coming up against an Argentina if they were to finish second in their group because of the way that they were able to, uh, you know, get the get themselves performing as they want to and attack straight from the off. The only concern I think for France, aside from that Hernandez injury, is the defence. It's every bit as vulnerable as I thought it was. We can talk, you know, for ages about how well France handled it after going a goal behind, but they still went, uh, you know, a goal behind. And if France continue to put in that kind of defensive performance, there will be better teams that they come up against in this tournament uh, that find them out. So I think that's definitely something that Deschamps has to work on. It's going to be very interesting to see how that game with the Danish plays out because they're already in a bit of a tough situation given they didn't pick up the points they expected to against Tunisia. But, uh, you know, I think Giroud is is definitely going to be somebody who 
you know, the Deschamps relies upon, uh, you know, for, for his experience being part of that winning team from, from 2018 as they try to foster, uh, you know, that, that new chemistry for this uh, sort of mixed generation. Kareem Benzema, who? Olivier Giroud has been scoring goals leading up to the World Cup. And obviously, Kareem the Dream is the main man, Ballon d'Or winner. Have to say it. Have to acknowledge it. I'm going to give you a stat. What he didn't do in goals, he didn't assist. Two of them. Both assists to a one, Kylian Mbappe, in 2018. Kylian Mbappe looks more at home with Olivier Giroud on the field because Kylian Mbappe is not an out striker. He wants to play on the left-hand side, and you saw a bit of the magic that can happen when he and Giroud link up. Also, Anton Griezmann looking nothing like he's looked for Atleti, so keep an eye on those three during the World Cup. Yeah, certainly the only sour point uh, from that one was the injury to Luca Hernandez, which is a bit of a disappointment. There are some great comments coming in. Thank you so much to everybody who's joining in the conversation. Luigi, Alele, Blue, Natalie jumping in the conversation. France got a cruise in Group D. People talking up the Danes like they're Brazil. I agree with you, Natalie. Too many people talking shit about the Danes. I'm not buying into any of it there. Uh, let's talk about the Danes, Nigel Rio-Coker, because they did uh, draw 0-0 against Tunisia. I thought it was a good game. Entertaining game. Bit of a tricky game to actually master if you were the Danish team because Tunisia I thought were pretty dangerous going forward and uh, Denmark they had a lot of possession maybe could have got the goal at the end of the game to win it um, but this one in my opinion was probably a fair draw what was your thoughts overall? I thought it was a fair draw I think uh, Tunisia really turned up you know I'm not really going to speak too much about the Danes because I, we already did back Danes to be some real dark horses they did show a good team performances we always did say that that lack of a real clinical goal scorer, someone that's going to put the ball into the back and there is what the Danes are missing. They're just missing yeah. that striker, that difference maker. But Tunisia, for me, impressed me. I think they turned up. They're a real, uh, they're a team in the group that could really be the team that upsets this group and affects how this group ends. And they showed that performance today. It was a real good game of football. Um, I think both teams are going to really believe that anything can happen. And it's what we want from the World Cup. That's the thing. It's what we want. We can all have our predictions. We can all have our opinions in teams that we believe is going to go far. But this is what makes the World Cup. This is the magic of the World Cup. This is why we love it. Results don't go the way that we expect. And it's also the fact of loving that underdog, that fight, that tenacity. And these players representing their countries, bringing a bit of their nationality onto the football pitch. I think that plays a part. And as we progress later on the conversation, we can talk about other nations and what we've seen today and how that correlates. I, I liken this result as massive, not in the same win category, but almost felt like a win for Tunisia, is what Saudi Arabia did today with Argentina. The fact that Arab countries are able to get positive results in the opening group stages, in the opening games of the World Cup, is a massive sell for the Arab region in soccer today. I thought Tunisia... They did what they usually do in African continental football. They're so stubborn to break down, one of the most difficult teams to break down. And when they absorb pressure, they force you to put more numbers forward, put both outside backs up, and then it creates gaps on the counter. That 1v1 opportunity they had, they should have scored Casper Schmeichel with a brilliant save. That could have been the difference for them. We'd have a different talking point and headline in the papers, but quality result for Tunisia. Their two defensive midfielders thought they were class. Skiri and Ludani, who plays in Hungary and the Bundesliga respectively, the ability to cover ground, their ability to get stuck in. Christian Eriksen, he had to move deeper and deeper to get the ball as the game went on. And that was a sign of frustration. And it was a massive win for Tunisia in keeping the playmaker for Denmark quiet on the day. I think strategically as well, uh, you know, it comes at a really good time for Tunisia to keep things tight in that opening game. They're now going to go into, you know, let, let's be honest, a winnable game uh, against Australia. I don't think Australia maybe deserved to, to lose 4-1 in the way that they did. But also at the same time, I think that Tunisia definitely have the tools to potentially get that win. And then I don't have any worries that Tunisia will put in a good performance against France. You know, you have that rivalry, the, you know, the, the, the sort of links between the two countries. That one is going to be fiercely contested. And if they can get the win against Australia, then who knows? Maybe they could hold France to a draw if France have already won their first two games and are pretty much through. So, you know, fingers crossed for, for Tunisia because they do look like they're capable of, you know, upsetting the apple cart, so to speak, in the group. 
Oh, we got a few conversations coming in here. Natalie saying Denmark will make the last 16, maybe the quarters, but let's be real. They're not going further than that. Matt just jumped in. He says France first, then it's a fight for second place. And apparently we've got Tunisia's number one fan in the house here, V1P3R37. Australia will get three points against Tunisia. You still believe that one? Also following up with another idiotic comment saying, I love seeing everyone's reaction after disrespecting the underrated Tunisia. Now they are saying Denmark is weak that Denmark that won against France twice not too long ago just thanks very much for jumping in the conversation I love to hear it like you predicted that Tunisia <laughs> was going to get that draw yeah prove it prove it to me but thank you so much for the comment as well please make sure you like and subscribe and tell your family and friends about our show uh, let's move on uh, this has been obviously uh, a terrific day today but it's not necessarily just the World Cup news that's been going on um, we've got to turn into the, the breaking news that took place just recently Cristiano Ronaldo departing Manchester United by mutual consent also hearing that the glazers are reportedly looking to sell the club this is absolutely madness jj i'm going to come to you first here because michael hood i know he's a united fan here and he's desperate to get in in this conversation but i want to save him for last so jj just out of curiosity um why now are they making this move is it the right move by manchester united i'm talking about cr7 obviously and what do you think could be next for him I mean, we know in our group that Nigel is normally the smoke a cigar, <laughs> drink a bit of cognac kind of guy. That's definitely going to be reserved for Mike LaHood later on after everything that's gone on these past few hours. Um, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. Surprised maybe about the timing. Uh, but then again, I was surprised about the timing of Cristiano Ronaldo's outburst. I don't really think that United had to take into account that he's going into a big World Cup game in the next couple of days. Uh, I think it's it's been long overdue. We knew, we knew that Ronaldo should have moved on in the in the previous transfer window. I think it's the best thing for the club. Uh, I think it's the best thing for for the new regime under Eric Ten Hag. Uh, and to be honest, I don't think it's the worst thing for Ronaldo because if he wants to make the most of the last couple of years he has in the game, he's got to go somewhere else. So... You know, it's probably the the best for all parties. Uh, you know that the, they move on now. Uh, the biggest surprise, I think, was the the news about you know Manchester United potentially being on the market for real. You know, we discussed this about a month ago or so. So to know that they really are now exploring the possibility of a sale. You know, suddenly I think things might start to feel a bit more positive uh, around Old Trafford. And I'll let Mike LaHood weigh in because I know that he's been absolutely rubbing his hands with glee about getting his teeth sunk into this chat. Uh, not before NRC touches on, because I'm about to go ham on CR7. Nige? Uh, no, for me, I think that the timing is perfect. I think it was planned uh, meticulously well by Cristiano Ronaldo. World Cup coming up, does it just before the week of the, the World Cup starting, gets everyone talking. Going to start and play for Portugal, I'm sure. Show what he can do still to try and force a move. But he did it on purpose. What he did well was well also putting a magnifying glass on the Glazier family because they've already had issues with the fans in their belief on how they're running the club, the direction they're trying to take the club in, and basically them not really being football people and not caring about the club, and it's all about money. So he's got a lot of Man United fans on his side in that sense, and it's put the spotlight back on the Glaziers, and they had no option, but he had to go. The other thing I would just like to add, finally, I'm not surprised that this club is going up to sell. We've seen something very similar with Liverpool. I can only speak on my experiences at playing at a club with American owners and obviously living in America, JJ. So I can understand the dynamic. <laughs> American owners are business people. They're in it to make money. Most of American sports and ownership is done in a way where American owners, regardless of their team doing well or doing bad, are guaranteed to make money. Football is the one unique sport where you're not guaranteed. If you're not making Champions League, you're going to be losing money. And if you're not competing, when you are Manchester United against the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City, and all these clubs, which consist on reinvestment year in, year out, it gets to a point when you're such a business person that you're not used to that kind of dynamic of the business world. You just want to own a business, make money, charge fans whatever you want, and guarantee to see a profit, profit, profit. That's not how football works. That's not how it's worked out at Manchester United. I'm not surprised with the Liverpool owners considering selling a chunk of the club or fully selling the club, as those rumours have come out as well, because they don't want to compete to continue to reinvest money. That's not how they make money. money. Now, Nigel, right? it's, it's too, too much money. Now. And that's not how they make money in the American ownership thing. But my thing is, you can make money, you can do it that way still and be successful if you hire the right people. Manchester United hired a bunch of Wall Street execs who know nothing about football. They hemorrhaged money in a lot of the signings that they did. <laughs> they had no idea about football. They find themselves in this space. So for me, my final point, 
to anyone listening, I think this could be the death of the Super League because they couldn't do what they wanted. The Super League for me looks like it could be dead and buried now and football fans will be happy. So what happened when Liverpool were taken over by, just the point about American owners, Liverpool were taken over by American owners, right? And what happened? Trophy cabinet was empty? Or full. Oh, don't ever say that to Liverpool fans, Michael. I think was you it are cho- they haven't won the league title in a while. No, but they've won. They've won Champions League. They've won FA Cups. They've won things. They just haven't because won the they were a club that empty. needed an injection no. of the right he's, type he's of talking money. about okay. since he's been born. But Michael, Michael, I have no problem. Obviously, the trophy cabinets, but did they add to the trophy cabinets? Did they not? I have no problem in that. They did invest well and it worked. But the problem with football is you need to continue to reinvest. And right now, they don't seem like they want to continue to reinvest because of what's going on. I'm sure if they're talking to Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp will be telling to them, right, we need X amount of millions to buy these players because we're Liverpool. We're going for a player. The price gets inflated. That's how football works, unless you have a real long-term plan and strategy. They don't want to do that. They want to take their profits and keep it in their pockets. That's the reality. I'm not. To, I'm not saying they were wrong. They were great, but the reality of it is, for longevity, you need to business people. to invest. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give one example of American ownership that did do well in the Premier League, and they might be the only example for a while. Because I do agree with you when it comes to the Glazers. It's time to go. It's time for them. It's been time for them to go. Say la vie. Before I get to the Glazers, though, I've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting. For this moment, ding dong, the witch is dead. Get out of the club, and it's happening. CR7, the moment that all the crybaby stuff, the moment that you leave the field during a match, the moment that you do stuff in preseason, it just it's brewing the kettle for it to just explode. And it finally has. I said it before a couple weeks ago when I saw that video with Pierce Morgan, when he just went off about how he's the victim, the clock was ticking. And he's out of the club. And this is a big win for Manchester United. This is a big win for that locker room who they have the players who can get something out of the season. And now that Cristiano Ronaldo, who has been a dark cloud in that locker room, is gone, it's going to be just airlifted in the room. Hey, Mike, i got to ask you real quickly, being a Manchester United fan, the way Ten Hag has handled the situation. And to me, it seems a bit... Very, uh, very well done. I mean, he is admirable the way he's handled the whole situation. He's kept himself composed, and he's he's the winner here, right? Absolutely. It, it, you, when Eric Ten Hag t- took the job, the biggest person he was going to have to battle was Cristiano Ronaldo. All the other players that he got rid of, Paul Pogba's, and well, we're not going to touch that subject. But Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard. I know Nides has a bright smile, but you had players who were dead weight to the club, who didn't want to be there or were becoming problems because of what the media was speculating, because of what was happening behind the scenes. But the one person who was always going to be the biggest tackle for him to address was Cristiano Ronaldo. And the way he did it to say, hey, this is my team. This is my club. You are still part of it. It was going to be cunning, and he outsmarted him at the end of the day. Ronaldo, saying that, though, Ronaldo does know what he's doing. Having this come out at the World Cup, having it come right before he's playing, all the eyes are going to be on him. And with clubs watching at the world's biggest stage, he will have to perform. He's a guy that wants the attention on him. He will be highly motivated with Lionel Messi and Argentina suffering their loss today. But that could backfire against he in Portugal where he will make it all about him because his career depends on this World Cup. 501 million Instagram followers, apparently 6% of the uh, entire world is following uh, Cristiano Ronaldo on Instagram. I don't believe that. Uh, maybe there's a few bots in Twitter there. Bot. Uh, a couple of questions. I'm going to move on to a few quick questions here. I want to get your opinion here, Nigel, real quickly before we move on here. Real quickly. Now, Vincent Company was obviously playing a role recently. He's on television. He's working the World Cup. And uh, Vincent Company was asked if he would sign Cristiano Ronaldo at Burnley. And his response was, we need players who can run. Um, could you please help me with that one there? Is, is this... It was a fantastic dig by the company. It was a big dig. Campany played for Manchester City. He's a Manchester City legend. He doesn't like Manchester United. And I'm sure Campany as well, from what I know of him and come across him, he's not that type of captain and leader where he feels players get above their station. He's all about the game, all about humanity and togetherness and, and team bonding. And you can see all those videos you've seen at Manchester City. I think he looks at Ronaldo where he might look at Ronaldo as you're a bit of a prick. And he said that on purpose, and he took a great dig at him. All right. Safe to say. JJ, you never answered my question real quickly. I need to go to break, but I want to hear from you. 
Where is Cristiano Ronaldo going to end up? Is it Saudi? Is it MLS? Or is it somewhere else? Well, if you're asking me today, massive day uh, in the history of Saudi Arabian football, then uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see him go to Saudi. No, honestly, uh, I think that he'll he'll probably stay in Europe. I don't think he'll come. To, he'll go to MLS. Uh, really, wouldn't surprise me if Sporting maybe rethought their stance on him. <laughs> Ian, let me just jump in quickly. Right, he will stay in Europe. And everyone knows, if anyone has any common sense, it's a competition against Lionel Messi to be the greatest ever stats-wise in Champions League. That's the only reason. Let's be mm. real. There's so a bit of jealousy. He's going to Chelsea. I, don't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Chelsea, if I'm honest. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea sold four years down the line from now anyway. But for me, I think it's a, competi- it's a real competitiveness against Lionel Messi, staying in Europe, wanting to play Champions League football, Wanting to score Champions League goals and try and win the Champions League trophy because he's looking at What happens at if they both ended up uh, in Major League Soccer and they got this offer that Michael Hood is asking? I don't think Lionel Messi is as competitive or looking at Ronaldo's I'm competing against you. I personally don't see that. But in Ronaldo, I see the competitive nature against Lionel Messi more than. Yeah, maybe conclusion for an MLS where's Cup. Messi, where's Messi coming next, though? Major League Soccer. CR7 coming to Major League Soccer, and you know where he's going to end up. Austin FC need a striker. Come on, CR7. Let him come to Major League Soccer. Are they going to ban you from the stadium then for all your comments against CR7? Well, we're going to have Des delete the comments and bleep it out just before he comes. I can see it now. CR7 selfie at Austin FC Stadium. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, lads, let's take a quick break. More to come from us when we come back, including a little look back on the earlier kickoffs today, including a massive, massive upset with Argentina. You are watching House of Champions. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast if you are listening on cbssports.com we want to let you know that you can subscribe to our youtube channel or our podcast by simply searching house of champions we are available on all podcast platforms and will deliver world-class soccer coverage during the world cup and also beyond. Go find us because I know you are enjoying what you're listening to or watching right now. So find us. House of Champions is your new house. Let's get into it. Group C early on. It was a shocker if you woke up in the eastern or the western coast in the United States of America. I woke up pretty early to watch Argentina lose to Saudi Arabia. I want to get your reactions. Let's go around the house here. Nigel Rio Coker, I haven't heard from you yet about this game. This was an absolute banger of a result. we got to give a lot of credit to the way Saudi performed. Tactically well-organized. We can always talk about their passion, their commitment, their pace, but they had a lot of class, ability. And with their finishing, the goals were of next level. Overall thoughts? Ian, like you just said there, what people have to understand and fans have to understand, there's an art behind it. If you're going to be a team 
that plays that kind of style, defensively organized, everyone behind the ball. When you get possession, understanding how important it is to keep possession, be precise, be clinical in the vital moments. That all is great coaching, great coaching and having players who can have the ability to follow that guidance. That for me is the reason why we love football. And I think for me, that result there has really made this World Cup. Forget everything else for now with all the pol- every, all the politics and everything else that comes with what's going on with this World Cup. That there is the reason why football and the World Cup is the greatest sporting event in the world. Tomorrow is a national holiday in Argentina. So there's going to be a lot of Argentinians waking up with some real tough hangovers in the reality of life. And then tomorrow or today is now going to be a national holiday in Saudi Arabia. That's what it means to be Argentina. I think it is absolutely fascinating and it is so great and I think it's not about Argentina for me it's about Saudi Arabia they were absolutely exceptional how they performed how they did everything and how they went about everything they weren't scared they weren't intimidated for Michael your U Summit players can look at that performance and take inspiration for that in how to see out a game because they were bombarded in the last 15 minutes and they stayed strong but I think it's just it's just phenomenal that for me has made the World Cup And one last thing, Ian, pay attention. Lionel Messi has already come out on record saying it's time for the country to band together. You know what that means. That means there's going to be a horrendous amount of press negativity back home, social media, because when you wear that Argentina shirt, with all due respects, you're not supposed to lose to Saudi Arabia. So that means there's going to be a lot of questions asked about the team, the manager, the players, and also Messi is going to be under tremendous amount of scrutiny. Him saying, let's band together, He's trying to keep things to say it's not that bad, but all credit to Saudi Arabia. Fantastic performance, great result. No one saw that coming. Before we get into Saudi, and I want to give a lot of credit, and we certainly will get into it, you can also go and check out our episode from this morning if you want to on YouTube where we go into depth on this game. We're going to keep it a little bit quicker this afternoon. Uh, JJ, I want to come to you real quickly. Who takes blame for this loss if you're uh, an Argentinian soccer fan? Is it Scaloni? Is it the players who takes the blame? I mean, I think in many ways, it's one of those games where... It's probably okay to lose if the reaction in the next couple of games is really strong. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Argentina can make an argument that they were a bit unlucky at times, certainly in the first half. But also at the same time, uh, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you, I mean, it just seemed like Argentina were looking at what was going on, realizing what was happening, where they were getting caught, but there wasn't any sort of real reaction or sort of thinking of a way way to get around it. I mean, sure, it's a once-in-a-lifetime result and performance for some of these Saudi players. Hervé Renard to get his team to perform like that, you know, absolutely perfect to a T in that second half. You know, it's it's difficult to it's difficult to beat, but, you know, Argentina at the same time, uh, you know, I think certainly have the the quality to be able to turn around, you know, react uh, and get the results they need in the next two games. I didn't see anything to impress me about either Poland or Mexico, aside from Memo Ochoa saving another penalty and looking like a world beater in a World Cup. Uh, you know, so I don't think that there's too much to, to worry about for Argentina there. I think at the end of the day, they're better off chalking this up to, you know, the World Cup just being the World Cup and the best competitive footballing competition in the world. Uh, you know, and sometimes these freak results happen. Yeah, I think it's a tale of two halves. In the first half, it was one-way traffic. Argentina, very unfortunate, botched by VAR, and VAR did get it correctly. The minutia of detail it takes to get those calls, though, you have technology intervening again three times. Argentina pushing for that second goal. I think if they get that second goal, this game is done and dusted. But full credit to Saudi Arabia and how they came out in the second half. It almost seemed like Argentina was waiting for Saudi Arabia to keel over. And Saudi Arabia, they were opportunistic. One ball, Lionel Messi, the GOAT, so-called GOAT, turnover midfield and then that ball it's good. yeah i'm taking i'm going after everyone today i'm i'm so happy dr7 is out of united so i'm going after everyone turnover by messi ball gets played christian romero a player who hasn't been playing for tottenham due to so-called injuries and preserving himself for this world cup you see some of the rust from this argentina lineup a lot of players not playing regularly heading into the world cup And it showed on that goal for Saudi Arabia. Good finish. Don't take away anything from that. But Romero hesitated. Miscommunication between he and Otamendi. And then the second goal, Angel Di Maria, laughable effort at defending. DePaul, late to move over and double down. And it's just a world-class finish. 
to give it 2-1 it is. in Saudi Arabia. And, and we got to give them credit. Yeah, absolutely. From there, their 100%. willingness to defend. It was amazing seeing the team commitment. Argentina breaking in the second half. A little bit of luck. Aloise getting an amazing save. The ball pinballed. I think it went off of Tahle Fijo uh, late on with a deflection. That could have been a goal. But mm-hmm. for Saudi Arabia, seeing four or five guys back press, get back in the box, block, box blocking shots, double teaming. That's just that's what you need to do as an underdog to see a game out and first class performance. Listen, outstanding performance. We give credit to the goal scorers as well. 48 minutes on the clock. Saleh Al-Sheheri scored with the first shot on goal for Saudi, and they put it in the back of the net. Second one, only five minutes later, Salim Al-Dawasari's 18th goal for Saudi. Saudi Arabia, the first team in 24 games to score multiple goals against Argentina in a match. Quite incredible performance, uh, but probably the best-looking man out there was Herve Renard. We are going to move on in 30 seconds, but JJ, just give us your quick opinion on Renard and how well he has got this team playing. He's got them playing extremely well. Uh, I think they've taken many people by surprise, many experts, sort of regional experts who have seen this Saudi project develop under Renard are even impressed by the way that he managed to extract this kind of performance uh, from his players. But the the one thing I would say is Renard is, is a coach who thrives in this setting. He's not a particularly good coach at a club level. That's no that's no disrespect to him. I think he's done really well to sort of find his niche uh, and carve that that out for him. You know, he's been very successful in the Africa Cup of Nations, had that fantastic fairy tale run with Zambia, uh, you know, also won the title with Ivory Coast. I think he's the only coach, or at the time was the only coach, to have won the Africa Cup of Nations with two different countries. Uh, you know, and I think he is somebody who's you know, stock rises, uh, you know, in these kind of international tournaments when he obtains these kind of results, because he's somebody who manages to thrive with the, with, with the underdog. Uh, you know, I think this is, uh, you know, fantastic recognition for him. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, also fantastic recognition for, for Saudi Arabian football as well to pull off this kind of result, especially in the first Arab World Cup. Uh, you know, that's just a huge, huge boon. And, uh, you know, he is quite a journeyman figure, Eve Renard, but he's also quite iconic with his shirt. Uh, you know, he's known sort of in France for being kind of like an outsider. Uh, you know, and I think that this, you know, th- this could be sort of, you know, his masterpiece result. Yeah. Terrific result. He looked fantastic as well with his Louis Vuitton running shoes on the sidelines. Uh, really outstanding performance from his side. Um, and I don't think he'll be shy in a few pennies after that type of victory as well. Nigel Rio Coker, I've got to move on real quickly, but before I get to Mexico and Poland, just asking you, is this certainly one of the top five World Cup upsets of all time? I would have to say so, yeah. I think for me, it's probably, I'll put it up there, probably the biggest one, just because of the team that Argentina have. It, it's hard for people to deny that. Yes, we've got Lionel Messi. Someone that people talks about, is he the greatest of all time? He's not surrounded by nobodies. This is the most talented Argentina team collectively have had in a very long time. So I think for me, that is probably the biggest shock in World Cup history, in my opinion. Well, we're certainly not going to um, worry much about what's happening elsewhere in the group because it was a pretty miserable game between Mexico and Poland. Um, Memo Ochoa stepped up big time and made a penalty save against uh, Lewandowski, 58 minutes on the clock. Memo Ochoa has now made his first penalty kick save at a World Cup at his third attempt. Uh, Michael Uden, coming to you first. I have criticized Mm. Mexico heavily when it comes to uh, the World Cup and their qualification process, but they performed pretty well today against Poland too. I thought we're not the best today. Lewandowski certainly nowhere near his uh, top level. Yeah, Lewandowski was missing in action for much of the game other than the PK shout, which I didn't think it was a PK. I thought that was a very soft call. And Poetic Justice said it in the group chat, said it online, and I'll say it here. Poetic Justice that Memo Ochoa, who seems to put on a Superman cape and show up at the World Cup, his fourth PK save for the Mexican national team during his career. He's a guy that's built for this stage. For Mexico, Chucky Lozano. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. <laughs> for Mexico, Chucky Lozano. He looked the most dangerous player on the field and probably for them, just missing that strike partner, Raul Jimenez, coming in late in the game, and you saw a bit more explosiveness. You saw a bit more directness from them, but didn't have enough of the gold dust that was needed in attack to get a goal and get the three points. Uh, i got to ask you this, JJ, real quickly. A draw doesn't really help either of these sides, does it? 
Not, not at all. I think it was a huge opportunity missed for, for either one of those sides. I mean, especially Poland with the penalty. Uh, I just can't shake the feeling that Poland, they're, they're just always one of those teams that's going to flatter to deceive at international level. They have the quality, certainly, to get out of the group in second place at least. But, you know, to miss a major opportunity like that is a huge yeah, is a, is a huge setback. I mean, we've we've talked about Mexico's difficulties. I know I was viewed as crazy by suggesting that they could come second in the group, but you know, Poland to to pass up that kind of opportunity hugely disappointing. El loco. I think for me, uh, Ian and guys, um, Mexico for me surprised me. They really did. I didn't expect that performance from Mexico, but when you look at that performance for me, I think it really does epitomize more so culturally what. Mexico as a nation is about and the people are about. You know, I've been around a lot of Mexican friends and been to Mexico myself. And I think that performance there, the grit, the desire. Dr- drinking tequila and dive bars, that kind of <laughs> thing. The grit, the desire, the determination. And you also look at the fighters that Mexico produce in boxers. I saw that in the performance. I think all they are missing is that goal score. I think a fit and firing Jimenez is the difference maker for that team. But I was very, very pleasantly surprised. They were superly well supported, by the way, in that game. It felt like a home game for Mexico, in my opinion. And um, yeah, Poland were a bit disappointed. I think for me, yes, it's a soft penalty, Michael. I agree with you. But at the end of the day, Ian's lover boy, bromance, Lewandowski, just couldn't get the job done. And let's be real. It's a good save, but it's a poor penalty. A poor penalty by a top-class striker. Maybe he should have been watching Gareth Bell's finish against the Youth Summit uh, <laughs> suburb boys yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> who are who who are the U Summit? I, I don't. I, they're not in the World Cup. I do yeah. know that you it's U S M N T. I know your time. I just have to give you some crap. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, surprised. I, wish, I wish I could have been there to see Mike with his with his Uncle Sam outfit. Rain <laughs> rain rain on the barbecue, sulking. Uh, I'll just keep it tight. There. I'll leave it from there. Oh, Ian's blocked himself, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why. He's paused himself. No, I'll put it back reason. on. I, no, I'll oh, put it back oh, on. Okay. I just froze it because my dog was barking here and I was about to run <laughs> out the door and just shut him up there. But for a minute here, um, I wanted to get that answer from you because I've got mm. to see. I mean, yeah. you're our CONCACAF expert when it comes to this. Were you surprised by the performance? Because I certainly was surprised by this performance completely. I mean, I, I just did not see Mexico pinging the ball around the way they were. They looked yeah. full of confidence, man. And Ochoa, to put that type of performance out at his age, he's 37. It's unbelievable. I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised by this Mexico performance. I picked him second in the group to go through. This is a Mexico team that no matter how... We've seen them play like crap before in CONCACAF and get through the group. This is a team that lives for the World Cup. They love being the the naysayers they love being the team that unites itself whatever happens in the press whatever happens through qualifying all that goes out the window i think it's because these players are isolated from their home country they get become isolated from their press and taken away and it, it makes a world of difference when all you have to focus on is getting the job done and it was nearly moments from them and you know they'll be kicking themselves as you said jj that they didn't get the three points yes lewandowski missed and that was a golden opportunity for poland but mexico created the more dangerous chances throughout the 90 minutes all right let's turn our attention to what's coming up on wednesday uh, group e germany against japan spain against costa rica two absolute bangers and then we go to group f it's morocco against croatia and belgium against canada we'll begin with group e germany against japan spain against costa rica jj any game in particular catches your attention that you're most excited about watching in group e uh, I think it's got to be Germany against Japan. Uh, you know, I think that that certainly has the makings of being quite a tight game. I'd fancy Germany just about in it, but uh, you know, Japan could be, uh, you know, could put in one of those unexpected, uh, you know, performances which we've seen from them in recent editions. You know, they had that fantastic game uh, against Belgium uh, last time out in 2018. But then again, you know, if we're going with the logic of the World Cup so far, it probably means that Costa Rica will be the ones who spring the surprise <laughs> result against Spain, and uh, you know, Germany Japan is a is a blowout. Nigel, I think I have to agree with JJ. I think that's the game that I was looking more so uh, than anything else. Germany Japan. I think it's it's a really great matchup. Uh, Japan a team that's always underrated. You always expect them to do well. They produce great technical players. Um, they always have a one or two superstars, phenomenal athletes. I think with what we saw today, there's going to be tremendous inspiration in that Japan dressing room where they're probably going to believe they can spring an upset. I think that result today really has changed the dynamic and belief in many dressing rooms at this I World agree. Cup. Yep. Yeah, I, I really like this 
Japanese team. I actually think that they can bring not just an upset, but also get out of this group, given that the Spanish national team does not have a proven goal scorer. Yes, Alvaro Morata is playing for Atletico Madrid, but he is not a consistent goal scorer. Maybe not proven, consistent goal scorer. At the World Cup, you do need that to thrive, and Spain does not have that. Well, there you go. All right, let's move on from it there. Of course, we got other games to look forward to as well in Group F. Uh, it has Morocco against Croatia, which is a difficult game for Croatia, who obviously did very well in 2018. And then Belgium against Canada. Great to see Canada in the big competition. Really excited to see what they can put up against this Belgium side. Nigel Rio Coker, where are you going with on these two games? Because, I mean, realistically, they're both very good games. It's an early kickoff for Morocco against Croatia. And then the last kickoff of the day is, of course, Canada against Belgium. Anyone that catches your attention, that you expect maybe a surprise we can maybe see in i'm going with canada versus belgium i think that one has more potential of a surprise i really do i think for me for canada to do well they need to come in with the same energy same attitude same belief they're showing in qualifying they don't need to come in and change anything they don't need to come in now and try and overthink things try and overcomplicate formation system and try and be smarter than they need to they qualified very convincingly by being the Canada that they are. Explosive, well-organized, defensively sound, some great players who can be the difference maker. Alfonso Davis, for me, is the best player in the CONCACAF region. That kid there plays fantastically well for Bayern Munich. And what I like about him is he's an outliner. And an outliner for me is when you look at the likes of Jude Bellingham, uh, Musiala at, at um, Bayern Munich, players and young players who have that ability where you can look at them to say that they can play in the old school generation. No fear, great desire, great belief, and also not worried about having the burden of I'm the main man of Canada and still going out there and performing. And the reason why I say that, I saw that young kid play at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea in the Champions League. Oh, you were in that game? Chelsea fans gave him an ovation because he was absolutely Mm. sensational. That was the game when he ran down the left-hand side, right, and put the cross in. Yeah, he was fantastic in that game. But the question I would have, Nigel, about him is, Mm. is his hamstring okay? That would be the big question here. Um, Michael, real quickly on Canada, they're carrying the weight from uh, a whole nation here because everyone in Canada will switch their TV on to watch Canada perform. They're so serious about sports there. Um, Will they feel that pressure? It seems to me like they're just going to go and have some fun, but they mean business. Yeah, this is a different sort of weight. There's hope that the whole nation has. There is an expectation because hockey is the number one sport in Canada, not soccer. There's just more of an entertainment factor. Canadians and one of my good friends up in Austin is Canadian. used to play on the Canadian men's national team. There's just a wonder about this team of how good. Well, you can't say that and not tell who it is. Who's uh, your best Antonio friend? Antonio Capasso, the original oh, Capasso, the Capasso family. But yep. uh, this is a Canada team. I like because you have players who are pushing the threshold of what could be. Jonathan David, league uh, champion, scoring goals for Lille this year. He is going to be vital, almost as vital as Alfonso Davies. Yes, I agree with you, Nigel. Alfonso Davies is the best player in CONCACAF, but Jonathan David was absolutely crucial to their CONCACAF qualifying hopes. And his play up top, his movement in the box, his ability to hold the ball up. I wonder if they go with the two-man strike partnership of he and Kyle Lahren, who plays for Club Bruges. Lahren not getting as many minutes for Bruges this season since the move from Besiktas. Another player, Atiba Hutchinson, the Besiktas mayor of Istanbul. He will be vital because of his experience. He is the leader of this Canadian national team in the locker room. And when he plays, he also when looks he starts, like Nigel Coker, by the way. <laughs> before World Cup lookalike of the year. No, but yeah. when he plays or when, when he plays or if he plays or not, he still has such a massive impact on these younger players. By the way, he's yeah, also 10 point. years older than Nigel, just to let yeah, you know. He, Go he ahead, Nigel. Is. Just one quick point. All Canada have to do is get Drake to support whoever Canada's <laughs> playing against because if Drake backs Canada, <laughs> we all know what his record is like in sports. But as long as Drake yeah. backs Belgium it's... and all the opponents of Canada, they'll be well. Nigel, not according to our comment section here because Andy's just jumped in and said, I'm putting my money on whoever Nigel Rio Coker said so. So everyone's jumping on your back here. No pressure on your, who you're predicting here. Uh, JJ, let's finish off with a little comment on Morocco against Croatia. I mean, if you're actually a betting man, which I am, um, there's pretty good money to be made on Croatia here and not many people are tipping them to actually win this game easily. It could be a difficult one for them because Morocco have so many talented players. Mm. I love Croatia. I think they're they're 
certainly stacked in that midfield area. I would have questions as to who's going to be the goal scorer for them. But Morocco, with the experience that they've got now, and I love the speed, the pace, the determination, and they do have a finisher in Onosri as well. Ziyech, you would expect them to step up. And Hakimi, of course, is one of my favorite players um, at this moment in time, still only 24 years old. I expect Morocco to make this really hell for Croatia, but who wins? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think a lot depends on the more experienced players in that Croatian side. You know, if Modric can can continue to roll back the years, I think Brozovic as well, uh, you know, both, uh, you know, very important. Like you said, no, not necessarily, uh, you know, a prolific presence in that group. But, uh, you know, I do think that Croatia, I mean, we've seen them, they, they have the pedigree at this level. Uh, you know, you'd certainly expect them to get out of the group. But Morocco, Morocco are, are all about potential. I feel like and, until they prove me otherwise, they're going to be one of those what-if teams where you know that there's so many talented players in that group. There's so much potential there, but it's always a question of consistency, mentality. If they can get that right, then yeah, absolutely, they can make life hell for, for the other teams in this group. But I think that's a, a big, big if, uh, you know, over the three games. But if they can get a good start against Croatia, you know, who knows? Things are things will be looking up for them. But if I had to put money on a team in this game, I, I'd go for Croatia, a narrow Croatia win. Scoreline prediction from both of you for these two games, please. Belgium against Canada and then Morocco against Croatia. Nigel, Mike, then JJ, let's go. Canada 2-1 against Belgium. And for me, I'm going for a 1-0 win for Croatia against Morocco. Oh, I'm going to go goals galore. Canada tend to score goals. They have struggled a bit in qualif- or in qualifying in the games leading up to the tournament. I'd pick a crazy 3-2 Canada win over Belgium just because Belgium have been leaking goals as of late leading up to this. And they're not the same Belgium team. With the Morocco-Croatia game, I go 2-1. I want to pick Morocco, but the experience of Croatia, 2-1 Croatia. Yeah, good news for you guys. I've got goals from every team uh, in these games. So I'm going to say Belgium won, Canada won. Uh, and I'm going to say Croatia beat Morocco 2-1. I think Belgium are going to beat Canada and badly, mm. unfortunately. I just Oof. feel like Belgium are going to turn up. So I'm going for a 3-0 prediction here. Don't hate me for that one. And I'm going for Croatia to win this game tightly. Maybe a 2-1 scoreline for Croatia. We've got a few predictions here. Vic says, Nigel, Canada to win 2-1 with a straight face. Wow, can't believe it. Belgium 1-1. <laughs> <This> <laughs> <is> <laughs> Vic, go for Ian there, sitting there with his French shirt on. And it's an old French shirt as well when he pulls out his American or German passport. Don't come for me, Vic. Now, Joe, would you shut up? Because it's bon wee time for JJ, okay? So we got to get out here. Thanks to everybody (laughs) out there who's been tuning into our shows throughout the course of the World Cup. House of Champions is your place to go to as soon as kickoff finishes um, in the morning kickoffs and also in the afternoon kickoffs as well. We will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, You can also see us again at 4 p.m. Eastern as well. So make sure you jump in the conversation and the chat. We appreciate you all so much for jumping in the chat so far. It's been awesome to see everyone getting their conversation going, letting us know their thoughts, showing us your passion. We appreciate it because it jumps and makes our day uh, when you also help the the show continue to maintain that energy as well. So thanks to everybody out there. Uh, Also, a big thank you to everyone who's listening on the podcast platform. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. We're back at it again at 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. We'll see you all then. Thank you so much for supporting us and continue to do so. Like, share, subscribe. Ciao.